NFL betting lines brought to you by Lock 4 Dub, the place to be to beat the bookies. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to Lock 4 Dub, the place to be to beat the bookies. I'm your host, Connor, alongside me, Steve. Steve, how we doing, buddy? Hey, man, after a crazy week one, uh, we got some crazy week two lines that uh, a lot of them are pretty big, so look out for some teasers, but uh, here we are. I tell you, it's a very pitiful performance by the Dallas Cowboys, but my defensive MVP pick looked pretty good. Michael Parsons flying all over the field in that game, Steve. Well, yeah, he's just a mismatch. Um, no matter where he lines up, he could play in the edge. He could play uh, in coverage. Just one of those super talented athletes. So we had a very exciting week one, Steve, and I just want to get to a few things here to recap kind of what happened last week. Uh, kickoff Thursday. What did you think of that? The Buffalo Bills go down to L.A. and smack around the Super Bowl champs. How do you like that game? Yeah, that was definitely not what I expected. I was kind of big on the Rams, uh, was definitely big on Allen Robinson and fantasy this year, so I'm not really sure what's going on, and I have a lot of concerns about Matthew Stafford's elbow. Um, obviously, he's coming off surgery this offseason, which we found out right before the game, so glad that no one could figure that out until then. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of concern with the Rams, and I think it's something to look at this week. Yeah, I noticed him uh, clutching at that elbow throughout the game, which is kind of concerning because he said it really wasn't anything to be concerned about, but uh, I don't know. There's been a lot of talk about it all offseason, so we'll see how that can hold up. Uh, A couple more things I want to get to here, Steve. Steve, give me your biggest surprise from week one. Yeah, my biggest surprise, I think, is a lot of people surprised. I think it was the Minnesota Vikings. Obviously, we understand the issues that um, Green Bay has had this offseason, not being able to obtain or retain uh, Devontae Adams. Obviously, they moved him in the, the big trade. Um, but uh, it was just nice to see Minnesota's offense finally take the step that we've been expecting with Alvin Cook um, and Justin Jefferson. Uh, they, they dominated on offense. They dominated on defense. And... You know, coming out of week one, uh, my favorite overreaction is, you know, how high people are on Minnesota. But I actually think there's a lot lot of legitimacy to it. Yeah, that was definitely one of the biggest surprises from week one. Another one I have to add in is the Brian Dable-led New York Giants coming back and not only winning the game, but almost shutting out the Tennessee Titans the whole second half. I mean, they played outstanding defense. They did not let Tannehill get into rhythm at all that second half. And Brian Dayball, put your nuts on the table going for two to win the game at the end of the game. I love that, Steve. What did you think of that call? Hey, man, when you had the momentum on your side, you, you got to go for it when you have the opportunity. You know, don't necessarily wait and think you're going to get another opportunity because if it goes to overtime, they go down the field and score, it's over with. So take the shot when you got it. So, Steve, I know we didn't really talk about uh, season totals last year, but are there any season totals you look at after week one and you say you should probably jump on that before it gets too low or before it gets too high? Um, 
I'm still I, so I I don't like to go to season totals until after week two. I think going after week one, there's usually a huge overreaction. So this is something I will look into starting after next week. Um, I think it's just too hard to understand where these teams are, um, and I think a lot of money gets made here because uh, you know teams people are going to be looking at New England and their number is going to go down. Uh, and, you know, everyone thinks New England's done with. And I, I've said I'm not the biggest Mac Jones believer, but it's still New England. And you would think they're going to figure it out. Um, I just want to see what they do again in a game like Pittsburgh so I can truly dictate where I feel on that team. Fair enough. few ones I'd like to mention. I think we talked about it last week. <clears throat> Hit that under on that Indianapolis Colts over under. I don't think it's moved much after the tie. And honestly, uh, hit the under on the Seattle Seahawks. I think they pulled out a lucky one against Denver. Two uh, goal line fumbles for the Broncos. Very easily should have uh, won that game. So I think their total climbed up a game, if not a game and a half, I believe. So. And you called it on the first episode as well. The 49, 49ers over under, um, it was over double digits to start. I believe it is under back to look like eight and a half or nine and a half now. Um but I, I definitely want to see them in better conditions. But you definitely called the uh, 49ers not looking great in week one. That's, uh, yeah. <clears throat> I also didn't expect them to be playing in a monsoon. <laughs> so that's, uh, <laughs> that's kind of hard to judge there. All right, Steve. Uh, anything else you want to actually? Hey, we got to talk about your boy, uh, Baker. Before we get into rapid fire here, we got to talk about that Browns Panthers game, man, because the Browns were looking good the first three quarters. And then Baker started to get in the flow and actually took the lead late in the game. And then the Browns come down the field. Steve, before you give your take, I want to ask you, what was up with that uh, Jacoby Brissett uh, double spike there? Was that, a, was that a legal player or was that kind of like in a gray area? I, don't, I wasn't too sure what was going on there. Uh, no, it, it, I know there's like a lot of confusion on it. It was definitely an illegal play. Like he definitely fake spikes the ball. Um, I think he was falling that falling back. I think he like lost his balance or something. I don't know. Something happened. He doesn't like all of it. So he definitely, it's a fake spike. So I mean, it should be like a live ball and then he spikes it and it should have been intentional grounding, um, without a doubt. And then obviously the pass interference call, it's just unfortunate that those calls didn't go their way and. Uh, as a Cleveland fan, that's happened to me plenty of times, so I don't necessarily feel bad. Yeah, and a late roughing the uh, passer call, too, on Carolina was kind of uh, wishy-washy. No, no, you can't blame everything on the refs, but, hey, good on the Browns for getting a much-needed victory and spoiling uh, Baker's revenge game there, Steve. Yeah, I think the one thing we have noticed time and time again, um, and to see Baker on the other side, he really just struggles throwing the ball off the edge. Um, Jadavion Clowney had uh, two pass deflections at the line of scrimmage. Our defensive tackles had two more. Uh, you know, I think he's a super talented kid, man. Um, you know, there's been a lot of, you know, high emotions with Baker. It's how he carries himself. So, you know, that's only going to bleed into the fan base. Um, so it's obviously unfortunate, but the guy's just a little too short to play in this league. Uh, it's just the major concern with a lot of guys who are six foot and who just aren't mobile. For being honest, like you just can't necessarily be like not that mobile. Obviously, he had the touchdown run on Sunday, but that's what I mean. The Browns aren't expecting him to run because he doesn't have that mobility. They know that uh, it's hard for him to get outside the pocket, especially when he's playing against athletic edges. And uh, the way the NFL is today, every team has two athletic edges. So it's really hard for him these days to uh, 
you know, kind of move how he needs to for being the size he is. And that's unfortunate because we obviously know the talent he was at Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, as much uh, hate as there was for Baker last week, you know, it was, he, you know, he did what he did. Like he almost did it. Like the Browns are a 57, 58 yard field goal away from being in a totally different position. So, um, you know, we'll see what uh, we'll see what the Panthers have in store. We'll see what he can do. I have a bad feeling that they're going to be in a huge rebuild next offseason. And then I'm not sure where that leaves Baker after this year. Man, and what a leg on that Cade York kid, dude. Looks like you guys got your own Justin Tucker down in Cleveland. Uh, yeah, he's the third best AFC North kicker. And that's actually a compliment because you got Evan McPherson, Justin Tucker, and now Cade York. Fair enough. Steve, anything else you want to uh, mention here before we get into rapid fire? Now let's get rolling. Rapid fire. Everybody's favorite segment, week one rapid fire. Here we go, starting with the inaugural Thursday game of the 2022 NFL season. The Buffalo Bills go out to L.A. and Back around the Super Bowl champs, 31 to 10. Josh Allen have a day, 26 to 31 for 297, three touchdowns, two picks. Those picks weren't his fault though. Also led the team in rushing, 10 carries, 56 yards. Matt Stafford, a very mediocre, 29 of 41 for 241 touchdown and three interceptions. Cam, who? It's Daryl Henderson leading the way on the ground with 13 carries for 47 yards. Cooper Cup back to his old self. 13 catches, 128 yards, and their lone touchdown. Moving to the 1 o'clock slate, we got the Philadelphia Eagles taking care of the Detroit Lions, 38-35. Jalen Hurts leading the way, 18-32 for 243. Also had 90 yards rushing and a touchdown. A.J. Brown have a day, 10 catches, 155 yards. On the other side, Jared Goff, 21-37 for 215, two touchdowns and a pick. DeAndre Swift, have a day, 15 carries, 144 yards and a touchdown. That's a 9.6 yards per touch average. We got the San Francisco 49ers falling to the Chicago Bears, a score of 19-10 in a monsoon in Chicago. Trey Lance, first start of the NFL year, 13-28 for 164 and a pick. Also had 13 carries for 54 yards on the ground. Justin Fields only threw the ball 17 times, but he didn't need to throw much to lead the team to victory. 8-17, 121 yards and two touchdowns. The Steelers beat the Bengals in overtime 23-20 in a game seemingly nobody wanted to win. Mitch Trubisky 21-38 for 194 yards and a touchdown. It was kind of a mess on the ground. Chase Claypool led the way with six carries for 36 yards. Joe Burrow 33-53 of for 338 touchdowns and four interceptions. Joe Mixon 27 carries, 82 yards and Jamar Chase have a day, 10 catches, 129 yards, and a touchdown. In a game nobody wanted to win, the Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans tied 20 apiece. Matt Ryan goes 32 of 50 for 352, a touchdown and a pick. Jonathan Taylor, 31 touches, 161 yards, and a touchdown. Michael Pittman, 9 catches, 121 yards, and a touchdown. Davis, Dougie Mills, 23 of 37 for 240 and two touchdowns. 
Rex Burkhead leading the way on the ground, 14 carries for 40 yards. Miami Dolphins take care of the New England Patriots, a score of 20-7. Mac Jones, a very mediocre 21-30 for 213, one touchdown and a pick. Damian Harris leading the way on the ground, nine carries for 48 yards. Not much doing on offense there. That Dolphins defense really settling in nice. Tua Tagovailoa, 23 of 33 for 270 and touchdown. Chase Edmonds, 12 carries for 25 yards. And Tyree Kill, leading receiver, 8 catches, 94 yards. With the touchdown goes to Jalen Waddle. The Browns come from behind and take care of the Carolina Panthers. A score of 26 to 24, spoiling the Baker Mayfield revenge game. Jacoby Brissett, 18 of 34 for 147 and a touchdown. Nick Chubb have a day, 22 carries for 141 yards, but the touchdown goes to Kareem Hunt, leading receiver for the Browns. Donovan Peoples-Jones, six catches for 60 yards. Baker Mayfield, only 16 of 27 for 235, a touchdown and a pick that was supposed to be a revenge game, a monumental time in his career, fails to answer the call. Christian McCaffrey on the ground, 10 carries for 33 yards. The Saints come from behind and beat the Falcons by 127-26. Jameis Winston, 23-34 for 269 and two scores. Leading rusher, Taysom Hill, four carries, only 81 yards. Marcus Mariota, 20 for 33, 215 yards. Cordero Patterson, 22 touches on the ground for 120 yards. Baltimore Ravens take care very easily of the New York Jets, a score of 24-9. Lamar Jackson goes 17-30 for 213 and three beautiful long touchdowns. Leading rusher on the ground, Kenyon Drake, only 31 yards on 11 touches. Rashad Bateman, two catches, 59 yards, and a score. Joe Flacco not getting much done, throwing the ball 60 times for 309 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Michael Carter, leading rusher on the ground, 10 carries for 60 yards. The Washington Commies take care of the Jacksonville Jaguars, score of 28-22. Trevor Lawrence goes 24-42 for 275, a touchdown and a pick. Leading rusher, James Robinson, 11 carries for 66 yards and a score. Christian Kirk, worth every penny they paid him, 6 catches, 117 yards. Carson Wentz throwing 4 touchdowns on his way to victory, 27-41 for 313 and 4 touchdowns, but he threw 2 interceptions. Antonio Gibson on the ground, 14 carries for 58 yards. Also leading receiver Antonio Gibson, 7 receptions for 72 yards. Moving to the 4 o'clock games, we got the Minnesota Vikings spoiling Aaron Rodgers' season opener, a score of 23-7. A-Rod goes 22-34 for 195 and a pick. Aaron Jones, 5-49 on the ground. Kirk Cousins, 23-32 for 277 and 2 touchdowns. Dalvin Cook, 20 carries, 90 yards. Justin Jefferson, have a day. Nine catches, 184 yards, and two scores. The New York Giants come from behind and spoil the Tennessee Titans season opener. A score of 21-20. Daniel Jones, 17-21 for 188. Two touchdowns and a pick. Saquon Barkley, have a day. 18 carries, 164 yards, a touchdown. Also logged six catches for 30 yards. Ryan Tannehill, 20-33 for 266 and two scores. Derrick Henry, very mediocre, 21 carries for 82 yards for him. LA Chargers beat the Las Vegas Raiders 24-19. Derek Carr goes 22-37 for 295, two touchdowns and three picks. 
Josh Jacobs only 10 carries for 57 yards. Devontae Adams, 10 catches, 141 yards, and a score. Justin Herbert, 26-34, 279, three touchdowns. Eckler led the way on the ground, 14 carries for only 36 yards. And Keenan Allen, leading receiver, four catches, 66 yards. The Chiefs easily take care of the Arizona Cardinals, a score of 44-21. Pat Mahomes goes 30-39 for 360 and five touchdowns. Leading rusher, Isaiah Pacheco, 12 carries, 62 yards, and a score. Travis Kelsey led through the air, eight catches, 121 yards, and a touchdown. Kyler Murray, 22-34 for 193 and two touchdowns. Also leading rusher on the team, five carries, 29 yards. And Greg Dortch, leading receiver, seven for 63. And the Sunday night game, the very exciting Sunday night game that everyone fell asleep at halftime because it was the most boring game of football I've ever watched. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers take out the Dallas Cowboys, a score of 19 to three. Tom Brady, 18 to 27 for 212, a touchdown. Leonard Fournette, 21 carries, 127 yards. Mike Evans, five catches for 71 yards and a score. Dak goes 14 to 29 for 134 and a pick before getting hurt. Zeke, 10 carries, 52 yards. And leading receiver, Noah Brown, five catches, 68 yards. And the Monday night game, another revenge game gone wrong. The Denver Broncos fall to the Seattle Seahawks and score 16 to 17. Russell Wilson revenge game goes 29 to 42 for 340 and a score. Melvin Gordon 12 for 58 on the ground. Leading receiver Jerry Judy four catches, 102 yards and a score. Geno Smith 23 to 28 for 195, two touchdowns. Rashad Penny on the ground, 12 carries, 60 yards. Leading receiver Will Disley three catches, 43 yards and a score. Yeah, Steve, I got to ask you, what did you think about Geno Smith in that Monday night game, man? Put up pretty efficient numbers there. Hey, Geno Smith did it last year. He had a spot. He had two spot starts. I remember the one he had last year was against that Steelers team, which everyone's like, oh, we can't do nothing against that defense. Uh, I believe he stood in and torched it. I uh, don't think they came away with the win in that game, but I do remember Geno. Geno was balling out. So it's definitely good to see him get his opportunity. Um, I did like him when he first came into the NFL. The Jets situation was like weird. It didn't work, whatever. But now he's got a chance and now he's playing well. Obviously, you know, who who knows what happens after this year. But, hey, if he plays well enough, why not, uh, you know, why not get him a little contract and build in other directions for the Seahawks? Good on Gino. Yeah, when you get your jaw broken by your own uh, middle linebacker, I don't really think (laughs) that's the locker room for you. So good on Gino getting out and – Playing good football, man. But I think that was a game. I think Geno could have played terrible, and uh, they still would have won that game, man. That was a game of destiny. Two goal line fumbles by the Denver Broncos. They were meant to lose that game. Seattle was meant to beat Russell Wilson that game. And I'm glad they did, man, because honestly, not the biggest Team 3 fan over here, man. I don't know. I just He's kind of rubbed me the wrong way, Russell Wilson. I've never really been a big fan of his. Yeah, I mean, he definitely has, like, that weird personality. We've seen it with his off-the-field relationships with other people. And, like, you know, just one of those people. He's obviously a tremendous quarterback, though. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond because uh, that's a game you kind of got to have when you're looking at at the division that they're in. Yes, can't fall too far behind in one of the NFL's most Arguably the two best divisions there going out at the NFC and the AFC West. Anyway, let's ride.
On to week one, Steve here. We got the Thursday night game. And I'm trying to find where my lines are. Oh, we're recording on Friday, so we missed the Thursday night game. But <laughs> but Steve Steve put out a post, our Thursday um, picks. We both had um, the plus side with the Chargers, I believe, Steve. Yeah, we both had Chargers, both had over. Yep, and both hit, so... There you Ooh, go. Good start to the week for the boys. There you go. Usually uh, not too hot on Thursdays, but that was a good one. I like that. A late cover, too, by the Chargers on the points and the uh, Detroit. And Detroit being favored for the first time, Steve, since 2019. Detroit's favored by a point and a half here. And uh, I don't have the point spread here. But... Um, whether that's a backdoor cover, I, I honestly have no clue. Uh, I wouldn't play this. I think the thing I'm concerned about with Detroit is um, I think a lot of people don't don't watch Detroit. That I think I would like to play on a plus money side, especially just because it's already close as it is. Yeah, <clears throat> Steve, I am going to ask you when. Well, actually, I already told you. As I say, when the last time that the Detroit Lions were favored was about three years ago, Steve. When's the last time the Detroit Lions had a good football team? A lot longer than three years ago. <laughs> Tides are yeah. changing, my friend. Tides are changing. I'm going to hammer the Detroit minus a point and a half here. Uh, any team that Carson Wentz is a part of and is leading, I'm not going to be really sold on. I'll tell you what, though, man. That Dotson kid looked great last week, calling in two touchdowns on very limited targets, man. Uh, of course, they always got Terry McLaurin. Antonio Gibson looked really good last week, too. But that Detroit offense, man, is a juggernaut. And they came back. They were down and out against the Eagles. They were down by 18 points in the fourth quarter, I believe, or uh, 17 points in the fourth quarter. And they come back, make it a three-point game. Granted, they didn't win the game, but that team's got some fight, man. I really like the Detroit Lions. And I believe that Washington's offense isn't good enough, so they're not going to get routed like they did against Philadelphia. But I think uh, Detroit's going to stick with them, and I think they're going to win the game. Steve, do you know if um, Chase Young is playing for Washington this week? Uh, no, I believe Chase Young is going to miss a good portion of this season. Okay, I was not sure on that. So, Steve, you're taking Washington. I got the Lions here. Steve, give me the over-under on 48-and-a-half. I, I like the over here. I think both these offenses are going to get after it. Again, I just expect crazy things. Detroit's defense isn't very good. I don't think Washington's defense is very good. I like this to be a shootout. Yes, I'm going to take the over as well for everything you just stated there. Not sold on Bad football shootouts, baby. <laughs> Let's get it. All right. Steve, what's the site for the money spreads? I can't fucking Covers.com. That's what I'm at. Why can't I find it? Uh, covers.com and then you go sports, NFL, right, NFL. scores and matchups. Oh, scores and matchups. <coughs> okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right, it's 1351. Got that. Okay, perfect. <clears throat> All right, moving on to. Sorry. All right, Steve, moving on here. Next game, we got the New York Jets traveling to Cleveland to take on the Browns here, Steve. And your Brownies are favored by six and a half points. Uh, The public has 67% of the money on Cleveland. And, Steve, are you going to this game? 
by chance? I actually, yeah, I'm actually going. We uh, we got opening day tickets a couple months ago, so or actually when tickets drop, so cannot wait to uh, get after it. A little Jacoby versus Joe Flacco action. There, there you go. I, I'd pay, I'd pay good money to see that. It's good football. Great football. Uh, you know, football on Sundays is great football. It should be, uh, it should be interesting. I do like the Browns in the game. I don't know that I like them at six and a half. Um, and here's why. First of all, we're looking at an over under that sits at 39 and a half. Um, that's extremely low. So for that to hit, it just feels very hard. It's tough for the Browns to cover that number, in my opinion, unless it's like a 14 to three game. But uh, the one number that stuck out to me when I was going through this stat line was um, the Ravens really couldn't run the ball last week. If the Jets stopped the run, um, this game could get a little more interesting than people think. Jacoby Brissett was not very good for the Browns last week. Uh, Obviously, he made the plays that he needed to to get the job done. Um, But with that being said, he also could have made a play or two that doesn't put us in the position that we are in. And uh, I have to talk about my guy, Cade York. Um, My man's just got a a sack on him, man. (laughs) How many rookies can go out there in their first game with as much emotion is running in that game and go out there and hit that kick? It's uh, it's just one of those things where you don't even think that opportunity would ever happen in any scenario. And here here we go. Here he comes. And uh, to deliver... Uh, puts a lot of a lot of expectations on a, a 21 year old kid, but that's that's why you draft a kicker. For all my friends who say you shouldn't draft a kicker, that's why you draft a kicker. Um, people who have good kickers don't realize the importance of kicking. He could have hit that from 70, Steve. He belted that thing <laughs> through the uprights. <laughs> that, yeah, and when people are like, "Oh, that pass or that um, fake spike should have been intentional grounding." I mean, you're not wrong, but that puts it that puts him at 68. And uh, if he hits the same ball he hit from 58, wouldn't have mattered. So, no, by that point it would have been a 10 yarder, not a spot foul, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, if, if it's inside of yes. 10 yards, it's a spot foul, or it's a 10 yards, not a spot foul. Yeah. So yeah. So he would have went from 58 to 68. So he would have had a shot. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. Still, <laughs> still might would have hit it. Uh, it would have been obviously a lot different with the angle. So who are you siding with here, Steve? I didn't get your. Oh uh, yeah, I will take. Uh, I'll take the Jets plus six and a half. Uh, I'm not going to touch it again. I just two bad quarterbacks. Don't really know what to expect. Joe Flacco's a statue. I expect the Browns to get after it. Kids going to the game and he's not even taking his boys <laughs> minus the spread. Give me Cleveland minus six and a half. I can see this being a very similar game to last week when Baltimore put it on the Jets. Honestly, we didn't even play that well. And for a couple of reasons, Steve, you mentioned it. Uh, we couldn't run the ball. That was not on the Jets stopping the run. That was on Baltimore just not being able to run the ball, losing our left tackle in the first quarter. Uh, he'll be out for the year. And honestly, we're running Kenyon Drake and Mike Davis, not uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, who's <laughs> arguably two of the best running backs in the NFL. Uh yeah, I don't know, man. We just did not look good, and I think I think you guys are gonna smoke them, honestly. And I don't see them moving the ball on that Cleveland defense, which is uh, could be just as good as that Baltimore Ravens defense. So I'm siding with the Browns minus six and a half here, Steve. Uh, I know it's, it's a lot of points with a low over under, but give me your take on the point total here. It's only at thirty nine and a half, the lowest point total of the week. 
Yeah, I mean, it opened at 42, so we're already down to two and a half points. Um, I like the under still. Again, uh, terrible quarterback play. The Cleveland Browns defense is legit. Um, I think they're going to make it hard for the Jets to run the ball, which means they're going to have to rely on Joe Flacco. And my man Joe Flacco don't have a chance when you have Jadeveon Clowney and Miles Garrett on the edge. And you have two tackles who are, um, I mean, George Fant uh, is a starter. So with all due to respect, and then the other guy they have, we're not even sure who it is. It's a backup. It's a third string. Dwayne Brown's hurt. Mackay Becton's hurt. So it's third string, and he has to block uh, Jadeveon Clowney. I'll take the under. Yeah, I will take the under as well. That pass, uh, that Baltimore Ravens pass rush last week was getting after Joe, and uh, we don't have the edge guys like you. Although we do got some pretty good guys uh, with the Clay's Campbell and uh, Odafe Owe, we do have a solid pass rush. As do the Browns. That's why I see it being a very similar game. Just maybe Cleveland scoring more points than Baltimore did last week. But give me the under as well. Next game, moving on to Steve. We got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to New Orleans to take on the Saints here, Steve. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers favored by two and a half points here, Steve. We got 55% of the money on the Buccaneers, Steve. But I believe, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but I believe Tom Brady is 0-4 against the Saints on his Tampa Bay stint here. Yeah, I actually believe the Buccaneers have not beat the Saints in the regular season since 2018. Um, so we're talking about almost four years ago now. Um, hey, I, I like the Saints here. I, I like the Saints last week. I like the, they obviously didn't cover. Um, you know, I thought they I don't know what happened, but they kind of seemed like they wanted to be conservative with Jameis. And as soon as they ripped the bandaid off the, and they let him throw it. That offense just started to pop. We saw like what Jarvis Landry was doing down the field. We saw Michael Thomas look like the old Michael Thomas. Hey, man, the Buccaneers didn't look that good to me. Dak Prescott didn't look that good. That Cowboys offense didn't look that good. So I get why everyone's so high on Tampa Bay's defense. Um, I think the Saints, the Saints might have a better, complete, more complete, better offense. The offense aligns more intact. Um, they have two, or well, they obviously don't have Armstead nor where they still have the other tackle, Ramscheck. Um, they still have Kamara, and they still have those three receivers. And uh, I just think that offense is so explosive, and you're not going to know where it's coming from. As soon as they ripped the band-aid, ripped the band-aid off, they opened it up. Uh, Jameis flourished. He looked really good, and then all of a sudden, Jarvis looked like the old Jarvis. Michael Thomas looked like the old Michael Thomas. Uh, Chris Olave, Chris Olave even made a couple plays later in that game. Uh, so I was super excited. I like the Saints here. Yeah, I like the Saints here, Steve, as well. Michael Thomas, two touchdowns, too. Good on MT. Let's see if he can uh, bring back his 2019 form. Uh, I See, I believe that Tampa Bay is going to be, if not the best, one of the best teams in the NFC. Uh, Tom Brady's n- notorious for uh, starting seasons slow. He did that in New England. He did that last year in Tampa Bay. He's just done it his whole career, Steve. Uh, drawing the Saints week two, a team they haven't beaten in four years, as you just mentioned, is a tough draw, man. I believe New Orleans has a better offense and a better defense than the Dallas Cowboys, who they played last week. Couldn't get into the end zone until eight minutes to go left in the game, seven minutes to go left in the game. That's uh, They had five or six red zone attempts and only could muster up 19 points. I think if you try and pull that with New Orleans, you're not going to win the game. But we'll see. 
we'll see. It's early. I, just, I don't. I don't think that's going to happen very often. You get six red zone attempts and come away with under twenty points. But I don't know. Ta- uh, Tom Brady was not there during OTAs, most of training camp. He's got uh, Chris Godwin. He just got ruled out. He's not playing. Uh, Julio Jones is questionable. I believe he will play though. Uh, Leonard Fournette got dinged up. He's probably going to play, but. I don't know, man. I got a lot of questions with Tampa Bay. Injuries and chemistry. Chemistry is more concerning to me right now than anything else. Uh, Give me the Saints, plus two and a half. And before we move to this point total, Steve, I just want to ask you, I know because I know we're both really high in New Orleans this year. Uh, Last week, man, they hit a 58-yarder to win the game against Atlanta. Was that a fluke game? Is Atlanta better than we thought, or is New Orleans uh, not as good as we think that they are? Yeah, like I said, when I saw it, uh, and I have Jamison Fantasy, so I was definitely keeping an eye on what the heck was going on. They just weren't letting him, like, be aggressive. They, they didn't want him to throw the ball down the field. Uh, it wasn't in tune very early. I don't know what was going on, so um, I don't know. It just nothing was in rhythm, and then all of a sudden they start to go to that spread offense, and, you know, that's just kind of where Jameis thrives. Interesting. And this is a new head coach for the Saints, too. I uh, can't remember his name. I know he's been the OC there for the last uh, decade or so under Sean Payton. Dennis Allen, yep. Dennis Allen, yes, sir. Coach Allen. Uh, Steve, point total, we got 43.5 here. I, I understand that both these defenses are good, but both these offenses are really good, too. I like the over here. Um, just a little too low for how good these offenses are, especially when we're talking about Jameis and Tom Brady, two guys who sling the ball around the yard. Yeah, I'm going to take the under here, Steve. I think it's going to be very close, a very, very close over-under. It is pretty low for two good offenses, but I think Vegas knows how good both these defenses are, especially the back halves of both of these defenses. These two secondaries are absolutely unreal. So give me the under. Just shy of 43 and a half here. Moving on, Steve. We got the Carolina Panthers traveling to New York to play the Giants here. Uh, we got the Giants favored by a point and a half, coming off a big win. Carolina coming off kind of a disappointment. Uh, the public has 57% of the money on the Giants, favored by a point and a half here, Steve. <laughs> oh, man. It's, uh, it's just. The Giants really uh, upset me last week. They they were a huge spoiler for me. They got me in a couple survivor leagues. They got my they got my money because I you know obviously bet Tennessee as that was my lock. Uh, the Giants were just a, a thorn in my side, but I'm actually gonna go against them again. Uh, now Baker now Baker's stat line at halftime in the Browns game was like really bad. Like I think he had like five yards passing, a couple or a pick and like five six incompletions. Um, but it, I've never seen such a bad coach, man. Matt rule only gave the ball to Christian McCaffrey five times in the first three quarters. And then conveniently enough, gave him the ball five times in the fourth quarter and they took the lead. So, uh, that's just the effect that Christian McCaffrey has. I think they finally figured that out. Um, obviously they're trying to not give him the touches because we know his injury history. Um, but this is going to be my upset of the week. And this is why more teams are one and one after week one than two and oh, and or oh and two. Um, I think the giants caught, uh, I mean, obviously they played a great game. Uh, they shut down Derek Henry for the most part. Um, 
that defense looked really good. But I just expect the Carolina Panthers to rebound. Uh, their offense caught lightning in a bottle as soon as they started to use Christian McCaffrey. I expect them to use Christian McCaffrey again, and he fixes a lot of problems, as we saw with Sam Darnold last year. I think he's going to do similar things with Baker um, just because of the talent as he is, and you said that in the last week's episode. Uh, we saw that happening in the fourth quarter against the Browns. I expect the Carolina Panthers to go into the Giants, uh, go into MetLife and get it done. This game is a do not touch for me here, Steve. I'm going to take the Giants minus a point and a half because I have to pick something. <laughs> no, I like the, uh, I like the, uh, I don't really like either of these teams, man. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> this, this is a do not touch game for me. A uh, big one. I, I don't even know how to take this line, man. Saquon looked really good last week, but is he going to do it two back to back weeks? One thing I noticed from the uh, Giants game, and I watched that game because my sister was at that game. Uh, the Giants couldn't... Uh, the Titans really didn't try and beat the Giants over the top in the second half. And I don't know if that was because of a conservative game plan or if Tannehill just had nobody to throw the ball too deep. But I recall last year, A.J. Brown getting a lot of deep shots in that Titans offense. A lot of the, uh, man, a lot of the passes were underneath. Uh, nothing, like, really up the seam, up the field. A lot of Derrick Henry outside the tackles. Just that whole offense was stagnant. And I don't know if if it was playing into what the Giants' strengths are on defense because I don't think the Giants have a lot of strength on defense. I think that defense is pretty terrible, actually. And to basically hold them to uh, six points the whole second half, I don't think, I don't know if that's going to happen again. I think if Baker plays a good game and he takes the top off the Giants' defense, I think they'll win. But Matt Rule, I think, is on his way out. Steve, I'm with you. I don't think Matt Rule is a very good coach. Uh, give me the Giants' point and a half here. Uh, it's really a coin flip at this point. Uh, Steve, over under uh, 43 and a half. Um. I think I like the under here. Both these defenses are, I don't know, man. I honestly don't know. I wouldn't touch this. Uh, it's going to be super close either way you split it. Um, I, I think both the offenses are capable of getting it done. I think both the defenses are capable of getting it done. If I were to play, I think I'm playing the under. But, uh, like, again, like I said, I think – well, actually, no, I think I play the over if I were to, just because I think these quarterbacks are going to turn the ball over should lead to short fields and uh, should lead to points. Ah, yes, good point there. Uh, I'll take the under. I feel like this is a lock for dubs do not touch game of the week here, Steve. Yeah, but, but that's kind of why I like it as an upset because, like, it's a small spread, it's plus money, and you never really know what's going to happen in these games. I like to play plus money on those. It feels more 50-50 more than whatever the plus money is right now which is plus 108, so you're still getting, uh, you know. That's true, and Baker does have a good deep ball, so maybe he'll take advantage where Tannehill did not last week. Exactly. Okay, moving on here, Steve. We got the uh, New England Patriots traveling to Pittsburgh, Steve, and you had an interesting stat about this game before I get into the line. You want to uh, refresh my memory? Tell me what that was again. Um, I don't remember the exact year, but... As crazy as it sounds, it was it hasn't happened since like the er, the late 1990s that these two teams are playing at one o'clock on Sunday, uh, pretty much meaning that they're not playing on prime time. Uh, they're not playing the four o'clock slot or the the um, any of the night slots. So 
Uh, I mean, we're in 2022, so we're talking about what? <laughs> 23, 24 years ago since the last time these two teams have played at 1 o'clock on Sunday. So, And these teams are playing each other at the very minimum every four years. Definitely more often than that because they've finished at the top of their division more often than not. And division winners, they always play each other, it seems, the next year. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's the uh, it's the end of an era, is it not? Uh, no Big Ben, no Tom Brady in New England anymore. But, uh, anyway, Steve, we got the uh, New England Patriots favored by two and a half points here, traveling to Pittsburgh. And for the public money split, we have 67% of the public's money is on Pittsburgh here, Steve. Uh, this is my do not touch game of the week. Um, I think we have two very talented coaches with uh, two not so good rosters. Uh, no TJ Watt. I think that's going to be the biggest factor in this. Um, we don't know what's up with Mac Jones. He actually got removed from the injury report, so he will be playing. Um, I don't know. I'm not touching this. If I were to play this, I think I'd go with the Patriots, but don't touch this. This is going to be an ugly one. Yeah, I'm not too um, <clears throat> not too sold on this one here either, Steve. I did see Mac Jones was taken off the injury report, but he was also dealing with an illness too this week. Uh, the Patriots beat reporter has reported. Can't remember his name. Sorry about that. Uh, injuries on both sides of the field. No T.J. Watt. Najee Harris is banged up. Um, we don't know how hurt Mac Jones is. You never know with a back injury how that's going to do. Maybe throws the ball wrong, tweaks it. Don't want any of that happen. Not wishing ill will on either of these teams. Hope they're all healthy and ready to play a good game, Steve. But I'm going to take the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers plus two and a half here. Uh, New England very disappointing last week. Pittsburgh very surprising last week. I know they forced a lot of turnovers, and they should have won by more than three points. They tried everything to give that game away. But, man, Minka had the defense rolling. He had that pick six early in the game, blocked the extra point to win the game, arguably. And uh, that defense was rolling, man. New England did not look good against Miami. And I feel like Pittsburgh's defense is very similar to Miami. Uh, lockdown defensive backs. So give me Pittsburgh plus two and a half here. I kind of like them uh, plus money. Uh, Steve, give me the over-under on 40 and a half. Uh, I'm not touching it. If I were to play it, probably play the under. It's going to be ugly. Yeah. I'm going to take the... Oh, Yeah, I'll take the under with you, Steve. I don't see the Patriots scoring much in this game. Man, that Patriots seems kind of concerning to me this year. I don't know. We'll see if they turn it around or not. Uh, next game getting to, we got the Indianapolis Colts traveling to Jacksonville to play the Jaguars. Steve here, we have the Colts favored by three and a half points. And the public has 61% of the money on the Colts. Yeah, I love this, dude. The public keeps, the public in Vegas keep loving on the Colts. I'm just going to keep going against them. Um, I'm not going to play this. Uh, if I were to play this, I'd play Jacksonville side. I'm not sold on the Colts. Uh, they weren't very good last weekend against the Texans. Uh, no dis like no disrespect to the Texans. We know what they are. We know who they are. Um, they're not a very good team. That's going to be feisty. Uh, but I shouldn't beat teams like the Colts, or that shouldn't tie teams like, like the 
Colts. Uh, the Colts have these high expectations. Everyone thinks they're going to win the division. Maybe they do it to fault, um, but I'm just not sold. I don't like what I saw last weekend. Their defense is overhyped. Um, Jonathan Taylor, I think he's had a decent day. I think he ended up having a decent day, but I didn't think he looked great for the first like three quarters of that game. So uh, I'm not really sure what's going on there, Connor. I don't like Indy. I'm out on them. I'm going to side with the uh, the little people here, and uh, we'll take Jacksonville. Yeah, I'm out on both these teams. I expected Jacksonville to beat Washington last week, and uh, they did not. I feel like Washington is one of the worst teams in the league. Indianapolis, I mean, we both picked uh, the Houston side, and – I mean, they tied, so there you go. I don't know. Both these teams are kind of trash, honestly. Uh, yeah, Steve, I guess I'll side with you. Give me the Jaguars plus. Actually, no. I'll, you know, I'll take the Colts minus three and a half. I feel like Jacksonville, not very good stopping the run. Jonathan Taylor had a good game last week and is probably set to have another 100 yards and a touchdown. Uh, I'm anxious to see if uh, somebody else besides Michael Pittman can get rolling on the Indianapolis wideouts here. Jacksonville doesn't have really good defensive backs, so good game to spread the field, air the ball out. Steve, give me the over-under on 44.5 here. Uh, not going to touch it. Um, I don't know. Over. Okay, I'll go under. It's <laughs> <There laughs> just not. I don't know. Like it's just again. I don't. I don't like it. I don't like these teams. I think they're both suspect. Um, I think they're both going to throw the ball a lot just because. Um, I don't know. It's just their best part of their teams. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, uh, obviously, is huge. But teams are going to, you know, make Matt Ryan beat them, especially when their only true weapon looks like it's going to be Michael Pittman. So. Yeah, and I'm not too sure what that Jacksonville offense is doing, man. James Robinson, two touchdowns last week. Uh, what's the deal with them not incorporating ETN into the offense? Is he just on a snap count, Steve, you think, this early in the year? I have no clue what's going on because James Robinson's coming off a torn Achilles, and they're not worried about him. This, I don't know. Not really sure what's going on. That was a very interesting week one. Um, I, a lot of people you know, were in the ETN business and fantasy. I know I was. I know you were. Uh, it's just tough because like there see feels like there's supposed to be all these touches for him and here they go back to James Robinson. We obviously know James Robinson's super talented, so not yeah. sure. Yeah, James Robinson is very talented. Yeah, pulling up here, Steve, from last week. Uh on the ground, James Robinson, eleven for sixty six and a touchdown. ETN on the ground, four for forty seven though. Impressive. Had a couple uh had a couple long runs there, and ETN also had two targets for 18 catches. So that 18.11 yards per touch on the ground is promising for ETN. Maybe he just needs more time. Maybe game script wasn't uh, in their favor. I know they were down uh, most of the game there. So anyway, uh, moving on here, Steve. We got the uh, Miami Dolphins traveling to Baltimore to take on the Baltimore Ravens here, Steve. We got the Ravens favored by three and a half. And looking at the public money splits, uh, this one's very even. 51% on Baltimore. Yeah, I mean, usually you don't see money lines that close. So it's definitely very interesting. I think this is a very hard game to read. Uh, I'm not going to play this. Uh, I don't recommend anyone playing this. Um, 
I think it's going to be super close. I think Miami looked great. Mike McDaniels uh, feels like he has Miami back. Like they're super fun. Um, Tua can just get the ball to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle into space. Um, that defense is insane. With that being said, you know, Lamar Jackson and them, you know, slow week one, but I just, I, I don't see them having a, a bounce or a, a bad week two after a bad week one, especially with the home opener. I'm not going to play this. Uh, Miami were, Miami is that kind of team that's going to, you know, just send the house at Lamar like they did. I think they were one of the first teams to discover that. You just blitz Lamar, play tight man coverage on the outside. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of worked against Lamar for a little bit. But, I, you know, I still think Lamar is going to make the adjustments. Um, I don't know. No, I, I don't feel good about this. I would probably play the Miami side if I were playing this. But uh, this is going to be a damn good ball game, and I'll be tuning in. Or actually, I won't be because I'll be at the Browns game, but I'll be checking in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is going to be, and it pains me to say this, but this is going to be my upset of the week. I'm taking Miami. Wow. I'm taking Miami to upset my Baltimore Ravens here for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, Baltimore's inability to run the football. The offensive line is in shambles, and it's only week two. Losing our left tackle, we have our backup center playing left tackle. Who should, I mean, it's a disaster. And we we don't know when Ronnie, Ronnie Stanley is going to be back. He was supposed to be back at the beginning of last year. Sat out the whole year. He's supposed to be back at the beginning of this year. He's still not healthy. He's going on year three dealing with this injury. Uh, our running backs are not healthy. I don't think, um, well, Gus Edwards definitely not going to play. He's on the pop. I don't think Dobbins is set to play. Uh, Lamar really looked hesitant last week. If only we weren't playing the New York Jets, who I think are probably the worst team in the NFL, especially with Joe Flacco behind center. I don't think we're going to be able to move the ball against that much better uh, Miami defense. Uh, Scores can be deceiving because uh, Lamar had three good throws and they all went for touchdowns. So there you got that. Miami, Miami beat us up last year. They figured out Lamar, or so they say. I don't know. He got hurt afterwards. But there's two things that kind of have Lamar's kryptonite here. It's Miami and Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill always torches the Ravens. He always torches Marlon Humphrey. And I think he's going to again. He looked very good last week. And um, Jalen Waddle. I mean, you got speed on the outside. Uh, we don't have speed for corners beside Marlowe. And he's honestly not the fastest. Marcus Peters, not really... As fast as it used to be, and losing Kyle Fuller for the year, too, is uh, that's not going to be nice already. Losing our nickel corner out for the year and our left tackle. So, God help these injuries. Don't screw us over again. Give me Miami. Upset of the week. 44.5 point total, Steve. Who you got? Uh, I like the under here. Just like the, both these defenses. Um, the one concerning thing is I don't think either team's really going to be a able to establish much of a run. Um, if J.K. Dobbins doesn't play, he's still questionable. I'm not sure if you have any insight on that, but if he doesn't play, this could be a very low-scoring game, in my opinion. I do not have any insights. I will try and find something. Last I knew, he wasn't set to play. Uh, he is listed doubtful. Oh, and... Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters both listed as questionable. I did not know either of them were hurt, so there we go. 
Uh, give me the under as well. That Baltimore Ravens defense is legit. I think it's the best in the NFL, and Miami's got a really good defense too. So, hammer the under on this one. <clears throat> All right, Steve, moving on. Uh, we got the Atlanta Falcons. We're getting to some pretty big point spreads here, Steve. We got the Falcons traveling to L.A. to take on the Rams. Uh, the Rams favored by 9.5 points here, Steve. We have multiple 9.5-point spreads. This is the first of many. And looking at the public splits, this one, hey, right down the center, 50-50, uh, even money on both sides. That's because if you're betting on this game, you're sick. It's 50-50 because <laughs> there's probably zero bets placed on either side. Um, I'm not touching this unless it's in a teaser. Even then, I'm still not touching this. I want nothing to do with this game. Uh, obviously the, the overreaction on the Rams is crazy. The overreaction on the Falcons is crazy. Uh, the Falcons continue to do what the Falcons do and that is blow football games. So I don't know. They usually stick around. I guess you just take the nine and a half in the Falcons, but you know, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm just not sold on what the Falcons did last week. Um, I, I don't know just where we're at. Very big point spread. Uh, Rams played like garbage. Falcons played good. And it's still uh, almost a 10-point spread, Steve. What do you think this spread would be if the Rams played good and the Falcons played like they did? Maybe 14, 15, 13 and a half maybe? I think you got to look in that 14 range. Yeah, this is uh, not too far off. This Give me is the, insane. Yeah, this, is a, this is a really big spread here. Give me the Falcons plus 9.5. I'm not touching this one, though, no, Steve. I'm with you. This is uh this is a big no no for me here. Not I don't really like either of these teams. Uh over under forty six and a half. Uh, I'm going I think you gotta go under. Like Marcus Mariota against Aaron Donald. I I don't know. I mean now the concern with Jalen Ramsey got <laughs> he got cooked a little bit last week, but uh I I don't know that Atlanta has the guy to do that. Drake London is more of those physical contested catch guys where I think Jalen Ramsey is better against those guys uh, more so than the guys who can get over the top on him. Uh, Cause he, uh, Jalen Ramsey wants to press and get in your face. So um, I don't know. I just can't see the Falcons putting up enough points to hit a 46 and a half over here. So, nor do I, but games with big spreads, I will not take the under if it's a low over-under. By low over-under, usually I mean 45 and under, but this one's close enough at 46.5. I will be taking the over here if I had to take a side, which I do because we do a sports betting podcast, but I will not bet this in real life. <laughs> uh, another, another big spread getting to here, Steve. Another 9.5 point spread. We got the Seattle Seahawks coming off a very, very heartfelt victory week one Monday night against the Broncos, traveling to San Fran, who just uh, lost to the Bears in a monsoon. So we got San Fran here favored by 9.5 points, Steve. And the public actually has 67% of the money on Seattle. How do you feel about that? So this is where we're going to be going to uh, old takes exposed here. Uh, the 49er stuff, man, so many people are just hopping out of the 49ers wagon. And I understand that they lost to the Bears, but, man, if anyone watched the game or saw any highlight of that game, it was a complete monsoon. Justin Fields, like, slides across the field for, like, 20 yards in water, bro. I don't know if you saw the video. 
like the craziest thing. Like that's just kind of the conditions these guys are playing in. So the overreaction on the 49ers is absolutely insane. I mean, now it may be legit. Like if they don't show up Sunday, it could be very well be legit. Um, and then obviously the heartfelt win, which good for Seattle, um, something Baker couldn't do, but I mean, you know, you hate to see it. Um, I don't know. I just, I, you, you can't play these games because there's the overreaction on both sides uh, is so far right now that I don't like it. Nine and a half is way too much to me. So especially in not only that, it's a division game um, and neither one of these quarterbacks are good that we know of. Like we still don't know about Trey Lance because we haven't seen him play in normal conditions. So with that being said, I don't know that we know um, the, Seattle's defense is better than we expected, I think. And that's just kind of where we're at. Um, Gino could be capable to keeping this close. If I were to play this, I'd play Seattle. But again, I'm not touching this. Yeah, I felt pretty confident in taking the Seattle side until I saw 70% of the public money being on that side. I kind of like to fade the public most of the time because that's how Vegas makes their money, right? Public is uh, seldomly right. But uh, I'm still going to take him here, plus 9.5. Uh, way too many points for me. Seattle coming off a uh, momentum high right now. And San Fran kind of down the dumps. I don't know what's going on inside that San Francisco locker room. Because I know preseason we heard grumblings of, uh, why aren't we playing Jimmy? Jimmy just brought us to an NFC Championship game. Gives us the most shot to win. Steve, you think if Jimmy Garoppolo was playing week one, they'd beat the Bears? Because I believe that they would have. I just think it was still like one of those games where the conditions dictated. So it was just going to be a fluke either way. Yeah, that's a game. That's the perfect game where you need a game manager to go out there and win the game for you, not a playmaker per se. So we're both taking Seattle plus nine and a half here. Don't feel too good about it, Steve. Uh, give me the over under on 40 and a half. Both these teams are run heavy. Um, I get I I, I got to go over on something here, right? I don't know. Uh, I, I big spread, so you got to like the over, maybe. I don't know. I guess I like the over. Yep, big spread, uh, very low over under, lowest of the week, tied with the Pats and Steelers game. Uh, give me the over. I feel way more confident in the over than I do the uh, the point spread. Uh, this next game here, Steve. We got the Bengals traveling to Dallas to take on the Dak Prescottless Cowboys, Steve. And before I get into this line here, what is your take on the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott situation moving forward, not just this year, but maybe into next season and the season after? Because he can't. I don't know. He can't seem to stay healthy. This man is always injured. Right. I mean, it's a legitimate concern. How many years of this prime team? Because now, I mean, let's talk about it, right? So we're talking Dak Prescott starting to get to that point where he's a little older. Like the prime of this team was like maybe a year or two ago. And like you're still trying to do this. And remember when everyone's like, Dak's not worth that money. Dak's not worth that money. He got the money. And now, you know, now we're starting to see the years where he's making the big money. You lose Amari Cooper. And now if you're starting to lose guys like Amari Cooper, we're seeing what that offense is doing. So, in he, A, he didn't play well. And that's not even to talk about his injury history. Um, how many years are you going to waste with Dak Prescott in this injury history? That's where they need to ask themselves. Um, 
I understand Dak Prescott is really good, but if he's not available, they have to consider other options this offseason, or they're going to have to consider a serious rebuild, and they have a legitimate defense. And, you know, don't waste that with a guy that you can't count on. And when's the last time the Cowboys have been able to count on Dak Prescott? I want to know. Yeah, Steve, I'm with you uh, wholeheartedly in this. I think, I believe it's time to move on. Maybe. I, I believe it's time to move on from Mike McCarthy, number one. Get his ass out of Dallas because he needs to go. Mike McCarthy is a detriment to that team. And I feel like Dak Prescott, once Mike McCarthy goes, is not far behind. Dude, I mean, he hasn't really played super well. Not like he's getting paid in the last uh, since he got that big contract extension. But can't can't stay healthy, can't stay on the field. He's not, I mean, he doesn't have a lot to throw to. He's kind of the Joe Flacco effect. You put all that money in your quarterback, you start losing pieces here. Team's not as good. Steve, if the Dallas Cowboys finish uh, with, a top, with a bottom five record and have a top five draft pick going into next year with this loaded 2023 quarterback class coming in, you think they take a shot on a quarterback there? Why not? I mean, you could allow that guy to sit behind Dak Prescott and figure it out later. I mean, uh, that's become a very popular trend. And if you have a guy you can't rely on, if you, you know, if you can't, if you think he's going to get hurt in four weeks, well, then there's your window for your starter or your rookie to get ready. Right. So, I mean, you, I think if they can't figure it out, I think you're right. I think the first thing they got to do is fire McCarthy first and foremost, the Dak thing's a hard thing to do, but at the end of the day, um, you saw the Rams go from Goff to Stafford and they won instantly. I'm not saying Dak is way better than Jared Goff. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying when it matters, he is not there. And that is an issue. And I'm not really sure what the contract uh, stipulations here, but I know they're paying Dak a lot of money. I know they're paying Zeke a lot of money. And uh, before long, they're going to have to uh, pay CeeDee Lamb a lot of money. So you got to decide what you want to do with your team. If you want to let take care of all that dead cap space next year and then free up some space for years later. So I don't know, man. I think, I think this Dallas team is about to blow up. I honestly do. So I don't, I don't think they can win with the current team that they have. No, I agree. I think the defense is legit though. The defense is young. The defense is legit. Um, but where this team currently stands on offense, it's not good. The offensive line is hurt. It's not good. It's not pretty. Um, but let's dive into this game. One more thing. Do they still have Kellen Moore calling plays for them? They do, right? Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, I like him anyway. They should keep him. Maybe he, he should have been the head coach. He should have always had the job. That's what's so confusing. They always – the Cowboys think they got to be the smartest people and cool things, and uh, sometimes you just got to do the smart, easy thing. Uh, Mike McCarthy, a two-year buffer. You know for who, too. You know who they're going to – you know they're going to hire as their coach next year. I'm Peyton on a – $300 million deal, probably. Mr. Sean Payton. It's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen, baby. Oh, yeah. Anyway. All right. Uh, so, Bengals Cowboys here. Uh, sorry shitting on all you uh, Dallas Cowboys fans that listen to the show. <laughs> we, got the, uh, we got the Bengals favored by 7.5 here, Steve. And we got 66% of the public's money on the Bengals. Yeah, I mean, it's perfect time for it because uh, this is my lock of the week. I'm taking the Bengals. Um, obviously, the Super Bowl hangover is real. Um, I, I Personally, my lock of the week is minus seven, 
Uh, I will tease that down to seven all day, every day. Um, but with the, but I mean, if you want to play it at seven and a half, that's fine. I don't expect this to be close. I expect the Bengals to come out in a huge, huge revenge game after the uh, Joe Burrow mess last week. And even though we turned the ball over five times, still had a really good chance at winning the game. Uh, their kicker couldn't uh, hit a game-winning field goal. Um, and obviously, that's why they lost. I just expect this to be not even close. Cooper Rush is not an NFL quarterback. I expect the Bengals to get after it. I know we just shit on the Cowboys a lot, but Joe Burrow, last four games, and I know playoff, Super Bowl, you're playing good teams. Last four games, 28 sacks allowed by the Cincinnati Bengals. That's an average of seven sacks a game. They have to fix that, and if they don't fix it, they may be seeing Joey B on the sidelines like we're watching Dak on the sidelines. So fix that, Cincinnati, and you'll have no problem winning this game. But I'm locking this as well. We saw last year Dallas without Dak. They got smoked. They absolutely got obliterated by everybody they played. Uh, Steve, over under uh, 41 and a half. Uh, I think the Bengals hold the Cowboys to about 10 points. I like the under here. Yeah, I do. Big spread, low over unders. I just got saying how much I like the overs. This is an exception. Give me the under here. Dallas, Dallas ain't scoring much, man. That Cincinnati Bengals defense is good. And so is in Dallas's too. So, all right. Uh, next game getting to we got the Houston Texans traveling to Denver to take on the Broncos here, Steve. We have the Denver Broncos favored by nine and a half points, and the public has fifty-seven percent of the money on the Broncos. Hey, man, I think we said it last week. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to die on the hill with the Texans, man. When you have a team, um, yeah, they might not have the talent, but these boys got the heart. These boys got the coach. They're completely bought into Lovey. This is all Lovey Smith's second game. So, you know, they're still fully bought into what he's doing. Um, he's going to be able to manage his team. He's not losing this game by 10 points either. I'm taking the Houston Texans, and I will be putting my own money on this game. I think Houston uh, doesn't get the credit. I don't think Denver looked that good. Uh, Sutton and Judy, like, neither one of them want to take over that number one option there. Uh, they didn't even use Albert O as much as they used the other uh, tight end. Um, I can't think of his name right now, but uh, they're a mess. I, I don't like what I saw. I don't think Patrick Sertain looked all too good. Um, that's just kind of where I'm at. I think the uh, Broncos are overrated. I think we're still sleeping on the Texans. I'll take them nine and a half all day. Yeah, this line was uh, very surprising when I saw. I did not expect this line to be at nine and a half points. I was thinking it was going to be more in the five to six range where I was feeling uh, more confident in Denver. But nine and a half is so much for a Houston Texans team that is that we both said last week is going to overperform and they did last week arguably should have won the game against the Colts but um that's uh here there nor there or however that saying goes give me uh man this one's tough because uh, I do like Denver I like their uh I like their offense I like their defense a lot you know what give me the Broncos minus nine and a half I'm not betting this game and Steve, I can see why you'd want to take the Houston side. I just feel like Denver has way too many skill position players for Houston to deal with. Houston only had to deal with on the offense of side Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman, basically. And now this week they're going into, they got Melvin Gordon, they got Javante Williams, they got Alex O. 
They have three amazing wide receivers. We're talking uh, K.J. Hamler, Jerry Judy, uh, Cortland Sutton. I mean, all these guys can get over the top. All these guys do well in space. They can all play all over the field. Any guy can play in the slot, out wide, inside, off tackle. I mean, this offense, the possibilities for this offense are limitless. Just like Russell, unlimited. But we'll see if he can start clicking with these guys. I think he's going to, man. And I think this team is going to be a lot better than what I perceive them to be. Even after that week one loss. We're talking two goal line fumbles away from winning that game by 13 plus. So, give me the Broncos here. Minus nine and a half. Uh, Steve, over under 45 and a half. I like both defenses in this game. I like the under here. Yeah, I'm going to take the over just because I think I've been taking every other side of your over-under so far. <laughs> and actually, no. You know what, Steve? I think you're right. Give me the under. Give me the under. That Bron- that Broncos defense is really good. Okay, moving on here. And this is the last 4 o'clock game on the slate here. We got the Arizona Cardinals traveling to Las Vegas to play the Raiders here. Steve, Raiders favored by 5.5 points. And this one, almost an even split, too. Uh, 51% of the money on the Raiders. So, after watching the game last night, um, you know, it feels like the Raiders should be favored by, like, eight and a half. I say that, obviously, because the Raiders lost by five points to the Chargers and the Cardinals lost by 23 points to the Chiefs. Um, but I don't want to let that dictate my opinion in this game. I think those things are overrated. Uh, I kind of like this for a bounce back spot for Arizona, um, but it's just weird. It's a tough game. We don't know where the Raiders are. Uh, They obviously competed with uh, one of the best teams. Obviously, I picked the Chargers to uh, go to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl. Um, So not really sure where either one of these teams are. I don't think the Cardinals are 23 points worse than the Chiefs, uh, even though that's what happened. That's what we saw. Oh, that's the only thing we've saw so far. So uh, we're not really sure. I'm not going to play this. I just think five and a half is a lot of points in this game. Although I do like the Raiders to win. Uh, I would side with the Cardinals and the points. This is easily the best four o'clock game on the slate. And the one I will be tuning into because generally the Cardinals start hot but they looked absolutely awful against the Chiefs last week. I mean, they could not get pressure on Mahomes. And that's something the Chargers did very well last night, Steve. I noticed they were getting after him, and they were flustering Pat Mahomes, and he was throwing a lot of bad balls. If you let Derek Carr sit back there like that with all the options he has, Waller, I mean, of course, Devontae Adams is going nuts. Hunter Renfro, too. Nobody talks about how good Hunter Renfro is. I, li- I like the Raiders this year. I also like the Cardinals, and 5.5 and is a lot. So I'm going to take the 5.5 and here and side with Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. I feel like they're due for a bounce-back game, although I do feel like they will finish maybe worse in their division than the Raiders will. I don't know. Hard to see. Both these teams are kind of up in the air for me right now, Steve. Uh, but I'm taking the cards, plus 5.5. Don't feel great. But uh, give me the over-under on 51.5, Steve. Uh, I like both these offenses. 
to uh, put up points. The Cardinals' defense is obviously suspect through the air a little bit. Uh, I, we know it was Patrick Mahomes, but um, I, Derek Carr can sling it too, man. And Devontae Adams looked really good. Uh, I expect Kyler to get after it, get some points on the board. Obviously, they're missing D-hop. The offense probably needed a week to get going, and I expect them to have a much better week this week. I'll take the over. Yeah, D-Hop not being there, man. And we saw that last year, too, a couple games that he missed. Uh, that offense really struggles. Greg Dortch leading the team in uh, receptions and yards. Uh, might be cause for concern. I know you got uh, Marquise Brown, new addition. Rondell Moore, new addition. So this offense is going to take some time to, uh, to get their act together here, Steve. But... Um, I am remembering now that they don't have uh, Patrick Peterson anymore and their defensive backs. I mean, we're looking at Marco Wilson and Byron Murphy Jr. as the two corners. Buda Baker playing safety. I mean, good luck covering all those wideouts from Las Vegas. I might, I might just switch my pick here. I keep looking at this depth chart. Uh, no, give me the over, Steve. I'm with you, though. Lots of points in this game. Okay, primetime, Sunday night football. Are we going to see a revenge game for Aaron Rodgers, or are we going to see the Chicago Bears move to an impressive 2-0, Steve? we got division matchup, NFC North football. Chicago Bears traveling to Lambeau to take on the Green Bay Packers here, Steve. we got the Pack favored by 9.5, but the public has 60% of the money on Chicago Bears here. You know what's actually pretty funny, Connor? Uh, there's a reason why this game is on Sunday night, and that is because the expectation that the Packers are supposed to be really good, the Bears are supposed to probably not be so good. Um, this is the evening that the Green Bay Packers were supposed to take over the Chicago Bears for the most wins in the NFL history, but sadly the Bears won and the Packers lost, so that is not in play tonight, this uh, Sunday night. Um, and now we're left with a stinky Sunday night game. Uh, the Packers respond in a big way. Uh, the Bears, with all due to respect, played in the monsoon. I'm not buying that hype. Uh, I'm in love with the Packers here. It's a big spread. But, uh, A, Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears. And, B, I think if we all remember to last year, Aaron Rodgers had the same performance. Um, in I think it was in Tampa Bay when they played New Orleans. He looked really bad, came home, responded, got it done. He's going to do it again. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. Yeah, the only thing that really killed the pack last week was, um, I mean, one, their their inability to move the football. Uh, Christian Watson dropping an 80-yard touchdown pass and not being able to put a defensive back on Justin Jefferson. Steve, how many times was he wide open in the middle of the field on those crossing routes just torching the Packers? I didn't understand that. And Steve, what were you mentioning there? What was this supposed to take place? The Packers were supposed to do what uh, in this game? Uh, the Packers were supposed to take over the NFL for the most wins in front in front. Uh, yeah, the most wins by a franchise, right? Over who? Who currently has the record? The Bears, right? Oh, oh, all Am time. I oh. Yeah, all time. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So if yeah, so if this worked out right, this should be Packers. If the Packers would have won last week, would be 
783 in Green Bay, or the Bears would be a 783 as well. And then this Sunday night game would be for the most wins all time in NFL history oh, for a franchise. Wow, I didn't know that. Man, what a cool storyline, but too bad <laughs> they both had <laughs> But to it just completely it flipped on them. <laughs> oh, when you think you got something, hey? Well, one in the hands better than two in the bush, but uh, Steve, who did you uh, who did you take on this? I can't even remember what you said. Oh, we're big on the Packers here. We're big on Packers. Yeah, okay. I got Green Bay minus nine and a half too. He does own Chicago, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, there's not much to say here. Uh, Green Bay defense is good too. I don't think Chicago is going to be able to do much. Uh, Steve, give me the over under on forty one and a half. Um, I don't know that I like the Packers defense enough. I expect the Bears to put up a few points. I like the over here. Yeah, I'll take the over as well in this one. 41.5 is real low. So, Steve, they do still have the opportunity to tie the Chicago Bears for the most wins in NFL franchise history, correct? No, because they're one off still. Because the Bears won last week. They're one off, but if they beat the so Bears, so they're two off. Oh, they're two off. Oh, okay. Yep, seven eighty four, seven eighty two. Okay. No storyline here. Just say ass whooping by the Packers, probably. Okay, okay. so uh, usually week one we got the Monday night doubleheader, but for some reason uh, we're doing it week two now. Uh, we got two games starting an hour apart, so they're gonna overlap each other. Uh, two interesting games too. I would like to be able to watch both of them, not simultaneously, but individually. But anyway, uh, last big spread here, Steve, we're getting to, we got Tennessee Titans traveling to Buffalo take on the bills. And I believe this is a week one overreaction. We got the bills favored by nine and a half here, Steve, and 62% of the public's money is on Buffalo. Yeah. Something just smells like a trap here. Um, the Bills just look like perfect. The Tennessee Titans looked like really, really bad. Not like really, yeah, not really, really bad. They, they, they fucked me last week. Um, but with that being said, I don't know. I don't like this. Again, uh, huge overreaction, like you said. I'm not playing this. Uh, I'm not sure what to make of it. Um, maybe if we're teasing the Bills down to minus three, that feels a lot better to me. Obviously, it's like a six-point swing, six-and-a-half-point swing, so... Obviously, that's going to feel better. But uh, with that being said, um, I'm probably playing the Titans. I just like Brable. I expect his team, I expect him to respond. Uh, his teams are well coached and tough nose. Uh, the one concern was uh, Derrick Henry got wrecked. And boy, oh boy, I've not seen that happen to him. So uh, maybe that's the start of something new. Hopefully not because, you know, Derrick Henry is so good. And, you know, I enjoy watching him play. So. You know, obviously, when he gets older, it's going to be unfortunate. But, man, he got wrecked. And I don't know if you saw that play, Connor. But I don't know if we've ever saw that happen to Derrick Henry. Yeah, he only averaged about, uh, I don't even think he averaged four yards a carry last week, which is pretty rare for him. He's usually up in the five, six yards per tote category. Uh, Steve, I'm going to side with Tennessee plus nine and a half here, though. Uh, thinking back to last year, too, Buffalo was really, really hot, and they played a Tennessee team, and I, I, there's something something weird with that game. Like, I don't think Tannehill was playing or something for some reason. But anyway, Tennessee ended up winning in a very close game. And, they, I mean, they just play smash-mouth football. So, 
I know, I don't know AJ Brown, and that offense is kind of struggling so far this year from what we see. But like you said, Coach Vrabel, he's he's get them boys ready to rip. So uh, give me Tennessee plus nine and a half. This is a surprising line here. Way too many points, I feel. Uh, Steve, over under forty seven and a half. Um, I like the over here. The Bills offense <laughs> just looks like it could put up 47 on its own, honestly, at any given moment. It looks unstoppable. I think Tennessee's offense is good enough to put up points, too. Uh, just where I'm at, I think this is an easy over. Yeah, I'll take the over as well. I thought this over-under would be in the 50s, and it is not, so give me that. Uh, last game on the slate here, Steve. The 8-15 Monday night game. And uh, like I said previously, both these Monday night games are very interesting. Uh, we got Minnesota traveling to Philadelphia to play the Eagles here, Steve. Uh, we got the Eagles favored by two and a half points. And looking at the point spread, we got 58% of the public money on Minnesota plus two and a half here. Man, this is going to be such a hard game because a lot of people see the box score and they think Philly only won that game by three. They were up by 17, and then I think there was like 10 minutes to go, and then all of a sudden it turns out to only be a three-point win. So I think they looked a lot better than what it looked like in the end. Uh, Minnesota dominated from like beginning to end. Um, so like obviously the reaction on them is huge. Uh, I'm not touching this game. I can't wait to watch this game. This will be the game that I'm watching. Um, obviously, the other game is really good, but I cannot wait to see what goes down in uh, Philly here. Uh, both these teams are just super exciting. Um, as you talk about Justin Jefferson over the middle, it honestly looked like Cooper Cup last year. A lot of the same routes, a lot of the same kind of plays. Um, I think that's going to continue Um so with that being said, man, I just like Minnesota and how they're playing right now. That defense looks legit, and I expect them to have another no strong week. Uh, it's going to be a super fun game, though. I like Minnesota a lot too in this game, and I'm taking him. And this was uh, this was going to be my upset of the week, but I decided to fade my boys this week. I I think these may be two of the best teams in the NFC come end of season. The NFC is so wide open. And Minnesota's got everything going for him, man. I mean, just the connection between Justin Jefferson. You still got Dalvin Cook. They're putting Madison in the game more. I mean, they got K.J. Osborne, Adam Thielen. He's still killing it on the field, man. He's all over the place in Philly, man. Everyone's huge on Jalen Hurts this year. Miles Sanders actually looked really good last week, surprisingly. And, I mean, they've got two really good backs, too. Kenny Gainwell. And, I mean, A.J. Brown, I mean, he's, dude, his numbers speak for himself. He had, what, 10, 10 catches for 150 yards last week? I mean, and Devontae Smith, <laughs> who, I, who I'm really high on, didn't even see the ball last week, and they still put almost 40 points on their week one game. So this very interesting. I think it's going to be very close, very, very high scoring. I just sided with Minnesota. I feel like they have a more complete team right now. But we'll see. Um, Steve, give me the uh, over-under on 50 and a half for this game. I like the over here. I think both these offenses are going to score the ball. I, I think both these teams are going to play to the level of competition. I think this is going to be an exciting game. I expect points to be scored here. I like the over. Yeah, if I'm locking an over-under, it's definitely this over. 
15 and a half is yeah, you way feel good too about low. This. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right. Well, thank you guys, everybody, for joining us for another episode of A Lock for a Dub. I know we ran a little long this week, but there's a lot to talk about, man. These week two lines are juicy, and we are in the thick of things here in the NFL season, and I love it, man. I'm so excited for the games this weekend. And Steve, that's awesome that you're going to the uh, Browns-Jets game. I had no idea that you were going to this game when I asked you. I thought you were just going to laugh when I asked that question. <laughs> well, you know, it kind of felt like we'd at least see, you know, maybe Deshaun Watson and someone else like Zach Wilson, but no, we'll get the backups. Where are you sitting? Uh, we are sitting second section, first row of the dog pound. Oh, that's perfect, dude. Second section, <laughs> first row. Those are the best seats. We sat there for Super Bowl 10 years ago, man, and they're amazing seats. Awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. Good for you. Have fun at your game, man. That's going to be uh it's going to be really great. Uh Steve, anything here you want to touch on before we uh head out for the week? No, let's go uh let's go make some money this weekend, boys. Let's make some money, Steve. One last thing. Uh this is the week of the teasers. Give me some good teasers that you would play up or play down. Uh we're going to play up. We're going to definitely be playing the over down in that Minnesota Philly game. We're definitely going to be teasing down Green Bay. We're definitely going to be teasing down uh Cincinnati and the final part of that teaser that I am going to play is where's the other nine and a half point spread Connor? Which one are we missing? Uh the uh, Denver Broncos game. Yeah, yeah, we're going to tease the Broncos down to minus three, and then we will roll with that. All right, perfect. Tease the Browns down to a pick them, and then you got yourself a nice little five-legger there. Triple your money. All right, thank you guys, everyone, for listening. We appreciate each and every one of you. Remember to like and subscribe, follow us. We're basically anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Pod. We're on Google Pod. We're on Stitcher. We're all over the place. So, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Lock for Dub podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Lock for Dub, the place to beat, beat the bookie.